Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 25 and Revelation 19. And if you'll notice, we are doing a study on end times, but I'm not doing a study on Revelation. Okay. Now, a lot of the end time stuff is in Revelation, but don't mistake a study of what happens after we die with just Revelation, because that's that's not what it is. I mean, the story of our eternity has been going on since God created this world. So uh, anyway, a man that I, I know quite well, won't say his name. Um, years and years ago in the mid-70s, had a horse stolen from him. And he had raised this horse. He was there uh, when the mare was bred. He was there when the foal was born. Um, he started the horse, everything like that. And the horse's name was Blaze. And one morning he came, or one evening he came home and his horse was gone. Trailer tracks was there. Somebody stole his horse. Two years later, he lived in a different town. He had moved off. And somebody called him and said, hey, you're not going to believe this. And he said, what? He goes, I know where Blaze is. He's like, you're kidding me. He goes, nope. He goes, do you think that's the person that stole him? He goes, well, I don't know. They, they seem like, you know, okay people, but you never know. So this man said, okay, I appreciate it. He hung up the phone. He knew where the house was. So he drove two hours one early morning and waited for him to leave. Pulled up, walked in the pen, got his horse, put it back in the trailer, and drove home with it. Never called the cops, never said nothing, just went and stole his horse back. I want you... But did he really steal it? He went and got his horse back, right? It was his horse, right? I want you to keep that in mind as we talk today in part three of a study, a sermon series, called What Happens When We Die, okay? I want you to keep that thought in your mind. A couple of other thoughts that I want you to keep in your mind is that the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can comprehend the wondrous things God has in store for us. So when we talk about end times, and there's going to be things in here that just blow your mind in this sermon today, okay? Some of you will have never heard this before. I'm not saying that you haven't read it. It's in the Bible, but for whatever reason. We are throwing rocks at stars, okay? It's, we're, we're gonna, our aim is going to be true, but like we can't really know all the details. We can only know what God gives us, okay? So if you go and I say something today that, that you don't agree with or whatever, okay, that's fine. You don't have to tell me about it. I'm admitting already that I'm throwing rocks at stars. We're drawing stick figures. I mean, like... We're doing the best we can, okay? And there's thousands and thousands of different opinions and all of that. But I ask you to set aside, just for the next 30 minutes, set aside what you think you believe, and let's just look at what God says, okay? For about 30 minutes. 
Today, well, two weeks ago, for those that haven't been here, we talked about what happens when we die and what happens when we die. Jesus comes and gets us. Why? Because he said, when the time is right, I will come and get you. And I just take Jesus at his word. Okay. I think Jesus comes and gets us and he takes us to a place called paradise. It is in a spirit realm, a spirit form. We will not have our bodies anymore because our bodies will be dead. But he takes us to a place called paradise where we are with him. Then, because he told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay? I don't think any time passes. He comes and he gets our soul before our body dies because we've already died to self and we go to a place called paradise. While we are there in paradise, that was the second part of our sermon series last week. We talked about what happens when we're in paradise, okay? We're waiting on the rapture. Those of us, if the rapture has not happened by the time you die, then we are in paradise until the full, the Bible says until the fullness of the Gentiles has been reached, until the redeemed church reaches a certain level and then God's gonna say, okay, that's enough. And he's gonna come get the rest of the believers. We're gonna be in paradise. There's gonna be a wedding the marriage of the church in Christ, right? We will see others. I mean, we're going to be conscious. We're going to be talking, stuff like that, all right? So this week, we are going to talk about the return of Christ, okay? The return of Christ. So keep two things in mind. We're throwing rocks at stars. We're going to do the best we can. And we're going to look at what the Bible says. Okay. We're going to look at what the Bible says about what happens. We're throwing rocks at stars. The return of Christ in revelation 19, 11, it says, then I saw, which Creates kind of a chronological, if, if the apostle John, who's writing Revelation, says, Then I saw, then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. And if that does not believe, uh, bring people that love cowboy ministry, just a big old smile on their face, I don't know what will. Revelation 19, 11, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. So, what does that mean? The return of Christ. Have you ever heard the word Advent? Advent, A-D-V-E-N-T. Everybody's heard it, and most people don't even know what it means. There's two Advents, okay? There's the first Advent, and Advent just merely means Christ on earth, the first advent was 2,000 years ago. The second advent will be after the tribulation, okay? After the tribulation when Jesus comes back and steps foot onto the Mount of Olives. And there are some things that we have to understand that happen when Jesus comes back. When he steps foot back on this earth, he is no longer the sacrificial lamb. Now he is the Lion of Judah. He has come again who's with him the return of christ guess what we're back that is when we are resurrected and that is another word that a lot of people don't understand resurrection doesn't mean like you come back to life you are already alive you have already been alive your your soul hasn't changed resurrection means when that aliveness that's in spirit form, is put back into a real body, 
Okay, that's what resurrection means. At the second coming of Christ is when all of us that believed in Jesus, that were in paradise, come back with him in resurrected bodies. How do I know that? It's because it says in Revelations 19, 14, or Revelation 19, 14, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on the white horse. So we come back. We're back on this earth in resurrected, redeemed, sinless bodies, no longer captive to anger or anything else. Well, maybe not anger, but anything sinful, right? It's impossible for us to sin now because we have been absolutely redeemed. So Whenever Christ comes back after the tribulation, we have already gone to heaven as believers when we die. And just so you know, if you haven't been here, we are only taking the path of what happens to the believer when he dies. If you are uncertain about what is happening to unbelievers at the time, take the opposite of what's happening to you, okay? In a nutshell, that's a good rule of thumb to start with. I'm not saying it fits every single deal, but we are only taking the path of the believer. So we die, we go to paradise. We wait on the end of the tribulation for Jesus to come back. When he comes back to the earth, we come back with him in resurrected bodies. So we're with him. One of the first things that happens is he kills all the armies of the world that stand against Christ. He comes back and all the armies, and I mean, the Antichrist has an army. The armies of the Orient are coming to invade Israel. And there's actually three battles that are going to take place. And it's basically the, the battle of what you have heard Armageddon. Okay, Jesus wins handily with the sword that comes out of his mouth in one of the prophets books. And I didn't write it down. It says that the that their eyes will melt out of their head and their skin will fall off. I like to think of that as the Indiana Jones. You ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark when they open up the ark? That's actually out of it might be Ezekiel. I don't know. You should look it up. It's really cool. And um, but anyway, God comes back down and he wipes Everybody off the face of the earth that stands against him that have taken the mark of the beast. In Revelations 19, 21, it says, Their army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Okay? So Jesus wins. Okay? Jesus wins. No sword against him can prosper. Then he throws the Antichrist... And the false prophet and all of those that have the mark of the beast throws them into the lake of fire and we will be there for that. Now, I'm not saying that, that we will actually see it. I'm just saying that we will be on earth as believers in redeemed bodies that come back with Christ during this time. And there's a good chance that we'll get to see this part. Let's see. That's it found in Revelations 19.20. And the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Now the beast that they're talking about, that is the Antichrist, okay? That is the Antichrist that has been ruling. He's set himself up in Israel and the temple. He is requiring those that follow him to worship him as God. And Jesus is about had enough of that. 
And it says in Revelation 19.20, And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Okay? So, what has happened now? Jesus has come back to earth. He's brought us with it. And basically, he has cleaned house. Okay? Now... Satan is bound. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Revelations 23, 20 verse 3, not Revelation 23. Uh, so what has happened is Jesus has come back, right? We are there. He defeats the armies of the world that have come against him, right? And now he told Michael to grab Satan, throw a half hitch around him, lock him up, and throw him in the abyss where he can't deceive the world anymore. And he will stay there for a thousand years, okay? And then what happens? This item, I believe, a lot of scholars differ on where this event take this next event takes place i think the most logical place and about 60 percent of the other evangelical pastors in the united states also believe that this is about where this is going to happen you ever heard of the separation of the sheep and goats that's where this happens because in order for the separation of the sheep and goats there has to be two qualifications for the timing of that number one jesus has to be on earth for it right and there are nations okay so this is at the second advent of christ the second coming in matthew 25 31 through 33 jesus talks about this time period. And obviously he was on earth whenever he said this. So he's telling his disciples of a future thing that has to take place. But when the, and this is Matthew 25, 31. But when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, that's what he means, coming down from heaven to reign on earth, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. The bodily Jesus will sit on the throne in Jerusalem. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. Okay? And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. See, Jesus judges those left alive after the tribulation because not everybody's going to be killed. So there's going to still be on earth that weren't in the armies, okay, that were not in the armies. There's still believers and unbelievers left on the earth. And Jesus is fixing to start his earthly reign. So he separates the sheep from the goats and all of those that are believers are left on earth and those that aren't are thrown into the lake of fire. Okay? That is the separation of the sheep and or the sheep and the goat. To the believers he offers a spot in his millennial kingdom. To those that follow the antichrist and do not believe Matthew 25:46 Jesus says and they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous will go into eternal life. So, what does that mean? Okay? I know that this is a little bit hard to follow. But what that means is 
We have come down from heaven as dead believers. We are given new bodies, but on earth is still humans that are left alive, right? Jesus does away with the Antichrist and those armies, but there's still humans left on earth. He separates the believers from the unbelievers so that at this point, the only people left on earth are believers and resurrected saints. Only thing left after the second coming to start the millennial kingdom is resurrected believers and tribulation saints. I know it's a lot. And welcome to my favorite part so far, the millennial kingdom. This is when the magic happens, okay? This is when the magic happens. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 19, 28. Not just Revelation. That's what I love about studying end times is that end times, they've been talking about it since the beginning. Matthew 19, 28. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Man, truly I tell you, now I want you to understand, there was one word in there that you ha- you're, you're just going to get lost if you don't realize one word for the millennial kingdom. And Jesus said it. I didn't, okay? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, this is the New International Version. Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things. That is Jesus' one of the purposes of the millennial kingdom is the renewal of the earth. It is the physical fulfillment of all of the spiritual promises. Okay? Keep that in mind. It's the, it's the physical fulfillment of spiritual problems, or problems, promises. How do I know that? Let me ask you this. Even though Jesus is the king of kings, right now Satan rules this world. He's the prince of this world. And one day that will be taken care of. And that's what we're talking about, right? But what about this? It's the physical fulfillment of spiritual promises. Didn't Jesus say in the Beatitudes that the meek shall inherit the earth? Did you think that that was just metaphysical, right? No, you who are meek, the saints of today, when you go up to paradise during the tribulation and you come back with Jesus, you are inheriting the earth because you will reign with Christ. How about this? The Bible says that mountains will be flattened so that the People of God may walk unhindered unto him, right? How about when Jesus said, if you have faith, you can tell this mountain to go jump in the sea and it will be done. During the millennial kingdom, I'm not saying that we're going to walk around going, you know, killing mountains. You know, if I kill Pikes Peak, I know somebody's going to, my wife is going to be real mad at me if I throw that thing in the ocean. Right. But I'm just and I'm not saying that this is going that it's has to happen like you got to move mountains if you're a Christian. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying that this millennial kingdom is the physical fulfillment of all of those spiritual promises that were made. How about this one? Jesus, even after all the things he did, he told his disciples, he said, one day y'all will do even greater things than these. Because on, during the millennial reign, 
We help Jesus at the renewal of all things. Okay? At the renewal of all things. The purposes of the kingdom is a physical fulfillment of spiritual promises, but it is also the fulfillment of promises made to Abraham and David. And if you were in the Bible study this morning, you already know most of this sermon, right? Because it coincided today. The fulfillment of promises made to David and Abraham. To Abraham, in Genesis 15, 18, God makes a solemn promise on himself to give the descendants of Abram at the time, later changed to Abraham, the biblical boundaries of God's nation runs from the Nile River to the Euphrates River. That is about 20 times the size. I mean, that encompasses most of Syria, about half of Iran, and, of course, Jordan and all of that. I mean, it's big. And that is when the millennial reign, Jesus will set those boundaries for Israel during the millennial kingdom because God said, I am going to give your people, my people, descended from you, this nation of Israel with these borders. So it's a physical fulfillment of a promise God made. It has to. To David, he promised that an heir of his would sit on the throne forever. That wasn't some metaphysical, spiritual. God said, a descendant of yours will sit on the throne forever, David. He meant it. Not some heavenly throne in somebody else's clubhouse. No, on this one. This earth, right? In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, the Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. This is with humans. While Jesus lives on this earth, the Lord will mediate between nations and settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore during the millennial kingdom. Also in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, meaning they will come from all over the globe to honor Jesus. In that day, the heir of David to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. The physical fulfillment of prophecies. So, without going into too much detail, because I promise you there's people already. But, but what about this? And you left this part out. Listen, I'm leaving a lot of parts out because I've got this much time. Okay? But let me give you some characteristics. Okay? I'm not going to give you the specific Bible verses because that ain't my job. Okay, my job is to give you the information and you go study, but I will give you a hint. This is found in Isaiah 11 and 65, Isaiah 11 and 65. Here are some characteristics of the millennial kingdom. Here we go. People will live long lives. As a matter of fact, the Bible says during the millennial kingdom, humans, not us, we live, we've got redeemed bodies, right? We're talking about humans that haven't died yet. The Bible says we'll live as long as trees. Just like right at before the flood when people lived so long, like, you know, Adam lived to be uh, 
930 years old and stuff like that. People will live that long. People will live long as trees. If one, if a person dies at 100, it will be considered the same as if a baby dies today that quick. Like, oh, he didn't have a long life. So if you died 100 during the millennial kingdom, like, it's bad because you're supposed to live to like probably all the way through it. So people will live long lives. The second thing, people will build their own houses, okay? Like little huts. It will kind of go back to maybe more. And I'm not saying that there won't be buildings, okay? I'm not saying that. But it, the Bible says that people will build their own houses. Also, animals during the millennial kingdom will live harmoniously with each other. Carnivores, the Bible says that the lion will eat grass like the ox. So there's no more, you know, lions and cheetahs attacking gazelles. There, it says the lion will lay down with the lamb. What else? It says, and it says this, okay? I'm not making this up. It says babies will play in a den of cobras without being bitten, right? It's a harmonious place, but the renewal right? Remember, Jesus said, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things. Now, the earth has been obliterated by the tribulation. Earthquakes all over the world. The Bible says that mountain ranges have disappeared. The uh, oceans have turned to blood. No living life exists in the sea. And it's, we've got 1,000 years to ready this planet with Jesus's personal help to get it ready for what is coming next. Stephen, sounds of battle reach my ears. Actually, it's the sound of battles, but all the same result. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, he wins. He, he is here. He is king. He is God. He is making his enemies his footstool, and he does what he says he will do. It's over in moments. The armies that stood against Christ are gone, wiped out. They are deader than dead. The Antichrist and his false prophet are brought before Jesus, and they are judged and thrown into the lake of fire right before the world's eyes. But this avenger of his people is not done yet. Then Jesus said, let us separate the sheep from the goats. Let their hearts be tested and found true or false. Those who didn't bear the mark of the beast were left alive, but all those who had rebelled against God were thrown into the lake of fire, prepared for Satan and his angels. Then Michael showed up with Satan bound in chains. That ancient serpent was thrown into the abyss and the door locked up tight for a thousand years. Even Satan wouldn't raise his eyes to meet the Son of God. There is no blaspheming in the presence of the Lord. The wedding feast. A few weeks later, we got to sit down at the marriage feast of the Lamb. It is a strange being here in a resurrected body that doesn't get tired, doesn't get hungry, doesn't get thirsty, hot or cold, or feel pain. We can still eat and enjoy doing so, but we don't have to. It's a remarkable feast full of wonder, and all of us that are resurrected are there, as well as some of the humans still left alive. The Millennial Kingdom. The first thousand years back on earth in my redeemed body have been amazing. I have had the opportunity to help millions of people know and to help redeem the planet for God who is coming. You see, after the rapture, the earth and its people went through a 
terrible tribulation. The likes that have never been seen before and will never be seen again. Mountain ranges were leveled. The streams and oceans turned to blood and the earth was nearly unrecognizable. But the presence of Jesus changes everything. He renews, he recreates and he redeems what he loves for those that he loves and he reigns with them. I was sent to the Gulf of Mexico to help folks there rebuild their lives. Oh, no, not on the shore of Gulf of Mexico. Uh, we're in the bottom of the Gulf. But of course, now it's dry land. We're turning it into farms. It's strange what is possible. I mean, it is strange compared to how you live. When I say I reign with Christ, I mean it. I have his authority in all matters, and I know his will perfectly because I feel him and talk to him all day through the Holy Spirit. I have told entire mountains to flatten themselves, and it happens. I help seeds get started and help the living with disputes. I help them build shelters, and I've even made new friends. I love to hear the stories of how God protected them during the tribulation. I love to be there when a child is born. These children find it strange to hear that at one time the cobras that lived near us would have been a danger. Animals don't attack people anymore for any reason. Lions eat grass just like the gazelle. It never gets dark and every seed we plant yields vast amounts of food for the humans and for the animals. Every year we go to Jerusalem to the festival of booths. Most of the earth lives in mobile huts or tents. And I remember with phones and all that other stuff, a lot of us used to want to live in the old west. Well, it's kind of like that now. And yes, I still got my white horse. Life is peaceful for the most part. Disputes are settled quickly and efficiently by me or another resurrected saint. I love these people, and it's been fun to watch them live as long as trees. I can talk to anyone on earth in any language. It's like it was at Pentecost when foreigners heard Peter, oh, who says hi, by the way, uh, preach in their own language. We just understand each other. This is what God had planned for all of his people all along to live in harmony with each other and provide for them as they worship their creator. We will continue to prepare this planet for the coming revelation at the end of the thousand years. That's when true heaven begins. When God himself will come down to this redeemed planet and make it heaven for us. And I pray you're there. There's one way to get there. Believe in Jesus. Lots of things, most things have changed, but that will never be altered. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Come back next week and we'll finish it with Revelation 23, our eternity. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the revelation of the hope that is awaiting. And God, our eternity doesn't start when we die. Our eternity starts when we accept you as Lord and Savior of our life and we ask you to save us. That's when our eternity starts. And God, I'm going to pray right now that the Holy Spirit, that somebody here that, that maybe for the first time, but Definitely the last will say, God, I give my entire life over to you right now. I want to be there, God, for all of these amazing things that you have planned. And all, God, I have to do is trust you with my soul. And God, we trust you with our souls. 
And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.